0: expository study. Believe it or not, this is our 50th lesson. This is lesson number 50. We'll be beginning in Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17, and then we'll get into the exposition. It says this, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Amen. That's a mouthful. We're going to break it down. For the next few minutes, beginning in verse 14, which said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, the last time we we taught from the book of Romans, we concluded with verse 13. And that verse ends with this statement. If ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live. And that life is eternal life. And we talked about what it means to mortify the deeds of the body. It means that we've got to cut off the influence of our sin nature. It means we got to cut off the, the temptations of the flesh. It means that you're still going to deal with flesh. You're still going to deal with your carnal nature even after God fills you with the Holy Ghost. The morning after he fills you with the Holy Ghost, when you wake up the next day, you're still going to be a human being. Uh, you're still going to have to deal with carnal flesh. Uh, you're still going to have to deal with attitudes and appetites of the flesh that are, are not wholesome, that are not godly, that are not righteous, uh, that if you allow that flesh to rise up and rule you, will drag you right back into the bondage that God has set you free from. So you've got to be actively involved in pursuing righteousness. You have to be actively involved in pursuing godliness and holiness. And as we endeavor to live holy, the point of that passage that last verse 13, was not just that you got to mortify the deeds of the flesh but that you do it by the Spirit of God. We are empowered by the Holy Ghost. Uh, The Holy Ghost doesn't take over our lives. It empowers us uh, to take authority in our lives. Uh, It doesn't come in and just drive away the temptation. Uh, It empowers us to overcome the temptation. We are empowered by the Spirit uh, to put the desire of the flesh uh, to death. Uh, there's still some action in there that we have to do. Amen? We mortify the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Now on the heels of that verse, we read this. That those who are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. The first thing that we've got to ask then is what does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? And the first and most natural answer is that it means the same thing in general as it meant to mortify the deeds of the body by the Spirit. Amen? If we're going to be led by the Spirit, uh, that means we're going to let the Spirit take over. We're going to let the Spirit have governance in our life. Uh, We've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and we have received guidance, and we have received direction, and we find conviction of things that that crop up in our life that aren't like Him, and we find that motivating power of God uh, that we may mortify the deeds of the flesh. Amen? So we find in the Holy Ghost, uh, that instruction that, that direction uh, to mortify, to put to death the things that would take us away from the presence of God the Holy Ghost leads us to actively pursue righteousness, to actively pursue holiness. The Holy Ghost leads us by inward empowerment, by empowering our will, uh, the human will. And we talked about some of this last week. Uh, the human will uh, is empowered by the indwelling Spirit of God. Uh, the Holy Ghost uh, empowers my will uh, to control my flesh. Uh, the Holy Holy Ghost gives me the ability. uh, It gives me the strength uh, where I did not have strength before. uh, That which was formerly beyond my control. uh, My flesh uh, that ruled over me uh, now becomes subject uh, to the Spirit of God uh, that lives inside of me. And he empowers me to live a holy life. To live righteously. Amen. I've got to endeavor to live righteously. I've got to make up my mind I'm going to live a life that is pleasing to God. I want to please God. and I've got to make up my mind that's the kind of life uh, that I'm going to live. Uh, But I've already proven when I was a sinner that making up my mind isn't enough. Uh, My will isn't strong enough. Uh, But when he filled me with the Holy Ghost, uh, that spirit of God, uh, it leads me. uh, It empowers me. uh, It gives me strength uh, where I had no strength. Uh, It gives me ability where I had no ability. It is important to note that God doesn't overpower us and force us to do his will. He doesn't override our will. He doesn't force us to live righteously. He leads us. He leads us. The leading of the spirit is an inward prodding of the conscience. It is an inward directing of the wheel. Uh, amen. He says, come, follow me. Come, go where I lead. Uh, amen. It, it is an invitation. It is, a, it is a calling. It is a drawing. Uh, it is an influence upon the heart. Uh, it is an empowerment of the wheel uh, to do what we know is right, to do what we know is pleasing to God, to do what the Word of God tells us uh, we ought to do. Uh, The Holy Ghost gives us uh, the necessary strength of will uh, to walk in the way that God has ordered for our lives. uh, And it leads us, but we have to follow. You're not led by the Spirit just because the Spirit draws you. You're not led by the Spirit just because conviction moves. Now, you've got to answer the conviction. You've got to answer the call. You've got, to be, you've, got to, you've got to follow. You're not being led until you start walking. Amen? They say the measure of a leader is who's following him. Amen. Uh, you're not a leader if you're walking alone. Amen. There's got to be some that follow you. Amen. That's the way the Holy Ghost it leads us. Uh, it's not. We can't be those that are led by the Spirit of God unless we're following. Does that make sense? I've got to be pursuing righteousness. I've got to be pursuing godliness. I've got to be pursuing holiness. Uh, being led by the Spirit is what produces the works uh, of the Spirit in my life. The, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. It's being led by the Spirit uh, that produces those things in my life. And if you, you want to know more about those things, come to Wednesday night, church. Amen. Because that's what we're teaching on right now is the fruit of the Spirit. For several several weeks now, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, amen. That's what is produced in my life. Uh, it produces genuine holiness. It produces genuine Righteousness. It produces genuine godliness. Uh, amen. I, I am no good in and of myself. I don't have any righteousness in me. Amen. My best uh, is like filthy rags before him uh, but his spirit uh, abides in me uh, and that spirit uh, is holy and it's righteous uh, and it's good uh, and it produces in me uh, good works. uh, It produces in me righteousness and holiness uh, and godliness but I got to follow it. I have to pursue it. That's what happens when the whole direction of my life And everything that it produces is determined by the indwelling Spirit of God, then I am led by the Spirit of God. Now listen to what the verse says. For as many as, that's a that's a a a phrase in the in the original language in the Greek that that means only. For as many as is singling out that only, it's exclusive. Only those who are led by the Spirit of God. Those are the only ones that are the sons of God. Think about it for a minute. The condition of being led by the Spirit Amen. You have to be a follower. You have to be, amen, one that is allowing the Holy Ghost to work in your life, Uh, not just those that were filled with the Spirit. Not just those that received a one-time experience uh, that happened at an altar somewhere where they received the Holy Ghost and they spoke in other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. It doesn't say those that were filled with the Spirit. uh, It says those that are led by the Spirit of God. Uh, Amen. If you're going to be the Son of God, if you're going to be a child of God, if you're going to be a saint of God, amen, you've got to do more than just have a one-time experience with God. Uh, Amen. There's got to be a life uh, of submitting. Uh, There's got to be a life uh, of yielding. Uh, There's got to be a life uh, of allowing the Holy Ghost uh, to direct your ways. Amen. That's where we see again that Your salvation is not a past tense event. It's not something that happened to you last Sunday night. It is a present tense reality. It's something that's happening to you right now. As you follow the Holy Ghost, as you are led by the Spirit of God, as you mortify the deeds of the flesh. It's that present tense indicator that you are indeed a child of God. Uh, amen. When the trump of God sounds, uh, amen, God not just going to go down a holy roll and say, these are the ones uh, that were filled with the Holy Ghost. These are all those that received uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My friend, he's going to look down and he's going to call those that are being led by the Spirit of God, those that are being directed by the Holy Ghost, those that are following that indwelling Spirit. Amen? You have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You have to receive the Spirit of God. Amen? That is the thing that gets you into the bride of Christ. But the thing that keeps you there is allowing that Spirit to direct you, to lead you to guide you just because you were once born again does not mean that you can just live any way you want to live. You can't return to living after the flesh because if you return to living after the flesh, the flesh will take you right back into the bondage that God delivered you from. Instead, you must be led by the Spirit of God. Brother Bernard notes here that the born-again person who returns to living after the flesh is not unborn. You hear this? Well, you know, if you're born again, you can't ever become unborn. It's not about becoming unborn. It's about becoming disowned. Uh, It's about becoming disinherited. Uh, Amen. When he was born again, he became a child of God. Uh, But he is not continuing in that relationship. And if you don't continue in that relationship, you will not enjoy the eternal benefit of that relationship. Amen? It's all about an inheritance. And you can be written out of the wheel. Amen? It's a simple matter of being led by the Spirit of God. And if you're not being led by the Spirit of God, then all you have to do is Repent. Amen. Put it under the blood and get restored back to that status, being led by the Spirit of God. That's what qualifies us as sons of God. Amen. Now, we're going to hang on to that sons of God. It's going to come up as we go through this. Verse 15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption Whereby we cry, Abba Father. Verse 15 starts with the obvious statement that we've not received, that when we received the Holy Ghost, we did not receive the spirit of bondage and fear. That language points back to chapter 6 and the analogy that Paul made there about slavery, that once we were enslaved by our flesh. Remember we talked about it. Once we were a slave to the flesh, but now we've been set free, but we are still slaves. We're servants to God. Amen. That was the analogy that he made in chapter six. And that analogy illustrates an important Principle about living for God. It, it is. It is an important thing to understand that I am obligated to live for Him on the basis of the fact that He set me free. He bought me as it is. He He made me His. Uh, amen. But that is an inadequate. Illustration. And we talked about it back then because we we transitioned through several different illustrations in that chapter. We went through slavery and we talked about marriage and Paul even said these are these are imperfect analogies. They don't they don't cover the whole of the process. Amen. They they just give you little pieces of it and so it, it was an imperfect. It was an inadequate thing to fully represent our standing with God because. We may be a servant of God. We may be the slave of God, as it were, but God will not force us to live for him. He he will not govern us by fear and bondage. Our our relationship with God is not characterized by the cringing, fear-filled relationship of a slave to his master. Instead, the Holy Ghost enables us To see ourselves not just as the servants of God, but as the sons of God. We receive the spirit of adoption. Amen. We do not serve God out of fear as a slave, but we serve him out of love as a son. Amen. We serve Him out of a genuine desire to please Him, out of a heartfelt sense of gratitude that He has saved us. Amen. We serve Him because we once didn't have a family; we were out of, we didn't have anybody. But He has grafted us in. He has brought us in. He has adopted us into His family. Amen. I know you ladies may may wonder at the language the the reason the word son is used here instead of child is very important and i'm going to get to that in just a minute but what and you can substitute daughter where i'm saying son and that's fine amen but there's a reason why the son was important here amen and we'll get to a minute in in a verse next verse down the, it's going to call child of god instead of son of god but there's a point that is made about the son of god amen just as the spirit empowers us to to put sin to death uh, and to obey God's law, it also enables us to change our approach uh, from living as a slave to sin to living as a son to God, amen, living as a child of God. God has filled us with his spirit so that we can be set free from the bondage of sin so that we can have a loving relationship with him, a father-son relationship relationship or a father-daughter relationship. Now, the adoption analogy indicates that we have become the heirs of God. It has to do with position. It has to do with the privileges of being a child of God. Once we were not the spiritual children of God, once we were not The heirs of God. We had no spiritual inheritance. But God adopted us. When he filled us with his spirit. He conferred on us all the riches and the benefits uh, of being his child. Uh, And even though we had no right to expect it, uh, even though we had no ability to lay claim to it, God adopted us into his family. In the Greek and Roman cultures of Paul's day, wealthy families who had no heir would adopt a son. This is why the son matters. They would adopt a son, and he would legally become their heir. He would have all the legal rights and authority of a natural born son by Roman law, by Greek law, that adopted son, once he was adopted, uh, had the same legal standing uh, as a natural born son. Uh, amen. He had all the rights uh, and all the authority, uh, especially in regard to inheritance. You see, the adopted son would receive the full family inheritance uh, than a natural son would have received. Uh, That's why the term is gender specific. That's why it says the sons of God. Uh, Paul says we are sons of God rather than children of God because he intends to convey the full impact uh, of becoming a legal heir of God. Amen. We've received an inheritance. Uh, of eternal life. We've received uh, the riches of glory from God. But the inheritance in that day and age uh, didn't go to children in general. It went to sons. And it mattered that we become the son of God. Amen? Hey, listen, I'm a part of the bride of Christ. That's a fact. Uh, Amen? It's a gender-specific term. Uh, Amen? I believe and still believe uh, in traditional marriage. Uh, One man and one woman, amen. It's a general. It's it's a gender specific term. I'm a part of the bride of Christ, uh, and I gotta tell you, ladies, uh, you're a son of God, Uh, amen. It may not. It may seem to be general or gender specific. It may not seem to sound right, but what that means is you're a full uh, heir of God. You are gonna inherit the riches of glory. You're gonna inherit the prize uh, of heaven, amen. You gotta bear with me. I gotta get a drink. Praise the Lord. Those old allergies are giving me a fit. But we have received an inheritance of eternal life, the riches of glory from God. Amen. And it is a, an inheritance that went to sons. So we have become the sons of God. We are the heirs of. The glory of God. That's what Paul means when he says that we've received the spirit of adoption. When we received the Holy Ghost, we were adopted into the family of God. And we know that we are the sons of God because we have received the Holy Ghost. In fact, the only evidence that we have that we were adopted by God is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We have been adopted by God, our Heavenly Father. It is a spiritual transaction amen in a he is our father in a spiritual sense and that makes us his sons in a spiritual sense it was a spiritual transaction that took place uh, and a spiritual transaction could only be represented by a supernatural testimony nothing carnal nothing man-made can stand testimony to the fact that i am a son of god uh, amen because he is spirit uh, and i am flesh uh, and the only evidence that I have uh, that I have received uh, the spirit of adoption uh, is the fact that I've been filled uh, with the Holy Ghost. Amen. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is a supernatural event. Uh, Amen. Somebody said, I I just wish I could see a miracle. Uh, Every time you see somebody receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost uh, and begin to speak uh, in another language uh, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, uh, you see a miracle take place. Uh, When you begin to speak in a language uh, that you never learned, uh, that you don't understand, uh, that nobody taught to you. Uh, when you begin to speak in tongues, that's uh, the initial sign uh, of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. It is a miracle. And it is the observable evidence. It is the testimony of the fact uh, that a spiritual transaction has taken place. Uh, you have been adopted into the family of God you have received the spirit of adoption and that spirit enables you to cry abba father abba is an aramic word for daddy it is not the formal word father it is the informal word it is the intimate word that a child would use to address their father it's similar to the English word daddy. I don't call I call my dad dad. I don't call him daddy all that often anymore. Daddy is a term that young kids use. It's a, it's a, it's a very familiar, intimate, all-trusting, all-depending kind of term. He's my daddy. Amen. Abba father is a combination of two words. Abba is the Aramic word for daddy. And the second word is translated into English, but the, in the original text was the Greek word for father. Amen. It was a it was it was two words that mean the same thing. If the phrase was literally translated, both words in it will be translated as daddy. Paul's point in saying it twice was not repetition. It was not that when you say it, you need to say it twice. It was that it it was a point of explanation. In the original letter, he wrote the Aramaic word, and then he wrote the translation of the word. The second word was given so that the readers of the letter would know what the first word meant. Amen? Because the first word was in Aramaic. Now, over time, the repetitive cadence of it, Abba, Abba. Father, has become the accepted way of saying it. Amen. But it is a repetition of terms. It, it just means daddy. Amen. And by the spirit of adoption, Paul said, we cry, Abba, Father. It's not the cry of a mature child. It's the cry of a toddler. It is the cry of someone who totally depends on their daddy. It's the kind of cry that, that Clara makes. It's the kind of cry that Gracie makes. It's not the kind of cry that Rockland makes. He doesn't cry out, daddy. He, he'll say, dad, or he'll say, get over here, you old man. Amen. But he doesn't say, daddy. Amen. It's that different kind of approach to it. It's that, that different kind of, uh, it's that, it's that entire dependence. Uh, it, it's a, personal, intimate kind of cry, Uh, amen. It's the cry of someone who has all of their faith and all of their dependence uh, on their daddy. They know he's going to take care of them. What it means is that when we cry out to our heavenly father, we do it in a personal, intimate sense. Uh, If we need him, uh, if we have to call out to him, uh, if we find ourselves in a place uh, where we need to call on God, uh, we can call on him uh, with full confidence knowing uh, that he cares uh, what's going on in our life. Listen, when we're in trouble, we call 911 and we get an impersonal operator on the other end of the line. She doesn't know anything about my life or he doesn't know anything about what's going on. He's all business. He doesn't care that there's a madman chasing me through the house with a knife. He just wants to know what address I'm at. Are you okay? How bad are you bleeding? Is anybody bleeding? It's all impersonal. It's just just a switchboard, amen? And not even the guy you're talking to isn't even the guy that's going to come to your rescue, amen? It's just an impersonal thing. When we're in trouble, uh, our first call is not to an impersonal switchboard up in the heavens somewhere. When we're in trouble, uh, we call out to our daddy, uh, and we do it with the full confidence uh, that a young child has uh, when they cry out. Daddy. uh, A child believes uh, that their daddy can do anything. Uh, A child believes uh, that their daddy is the strongest person who ever lived. No mountain is too high. No valley is too low. No obstacle is too great. uh, No problem is too big for daddy. That's the kind of confidence that the spirit of adoption gives us. We can call on God and know that he cares uh, about what is going on in our lives. Uh, He's not just an impersonal supernatural actor. He's not just an impersonal supernatural SWAT force that may or may not get here in time uh, to save me. He is my God. Daddy, Uh, and when I call on him uh, he's stepping into my life Uh, when I call on him he's moving uh, uh, for me Uh, he's acting in my interest he is my daddy amen verse 16 says the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God the Holy Ghost the spirit itself that indwelling presence of God that lives inside of me, bears witness. Remember, I was talking about the only testimony, the only witness, the only proof that you have that a spiritual adoption has taken place is the Indwelling Spirit of God, when he filled you with the Holy Ghost, the Spirit itself bears witness with my Spirit. That second word, Spirit, uh, is not capitalized. Uh, that second word, Spirit, does not refer to the Spirit of God. Uh, it refers to my human spirit. Uh, His Spirit uh, that dwells inside of me bears witness to my Spirit uh, that I am the child of God. Now, that's important. Because your carnal flesh, your human reasoning is going to try to rob you of the confidence that you are indeed. Pray for me. (laughs) That you are indeed a child of God. There's nothing more frustrating as a speaker than trying to make a point and not being able to get it out. Amen? It is that confidence that comes from knowing that witness that it, it bears within me. My, my carnal flesh tries to rob me of that. It tries to take that away from me. It tries to undermine that. It tries to come along and say, Sean, that isn't really what happened to you. Now, Brother Andy, that, that isn't really what's going on. You're, you really don't matter to God. It tries to come along and say, now Brother Anderson, he's forgotten all about you. Amen. He's forgotten about where you are in your life. He's abandoned you, but it is the Spirit of God within me that bears witness with my spirit uh, that I am his child that's my evidence amen you have a supernatural witness to the fact that you have been born again when God filled you with the Holy Ghost you spoke in tongues Amen. You didn't learn how to do that. Nobody taught you how to do that. The Holy Ghost moved on you and you spoke in another language as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That is the infallible unshakable evidence uh, of what God has done in your life. Uh, amen. That is the, the confidence of your salvation. Uh, when he filled me with the Spirit, I know I know that I know that I know what happened in my life uh, because when he filled me with the Spirit uh, I began to speak in another language. Uh, I heard the testimony my spirit received the testimony those around me heard the testimony I've been filled with the spirit of God I am a child of God amen the internal sense of confidence that internal sense that I belong to him is the indwelling spirit of God that's what gives me the confidence to cry Abba Father the spirit bears witness to my human spirit that I am indeed a child of God uh, so I can call out to him. Amen. When I'm in trouble, my flesh tries to undermine that. It tries to tell me, oh, he's not listening. He doesn't care about you. Amen. He, uh, You know, you're on your own in this thing. you got to try to fix it by yourself. The confidence to cry daddy comes from the realization, the understanding, the testimony, the witness uh, that I am his child can call him daddy. I can cry out to him in the darkness uh, and he hears my cry. I can cry out to him in the middle of my struggle and my trouble uh, and he's going to come to my rescue. Amen. I can have full confidence that God cares about my life because he is my daddy and I know that because he filled me with the spirit. Amen. Now verse 17 if heirs if children, I'm sorry, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. A lot of lot of scholars break that into two thoughts: 17a and 17b, with the division being uh, in between the word Christ and if. The first thought being, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. There's a whole lot that that means. And then the second phrase being that if we suffer with him, we may also be glorified with him together. We're going to take the whole verse in one package this morning, but we're going to deal with it in those two pieces. If if we are the children of God, then we are the heirs of God. And if we are the heirs of God, then we are joint heirs with the man, Christ Jesus. That means that we have inherited everything every privilege, every right, and every reward that the sinless life of Jesus Christ achieved. You see, I'm not sinless. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I I stand where I stand today by the mercy of God and by the grace of God. But I stand here because Jesus Christ was sinless. Because there was no fault. There was no flaw. There was no sin. And what was his by right becomes mine by grace amen what was his by what he earned Uh, he earned it uh, but I inherit it Uh, amen it's his by right he deserves it Uh, he was holy he was righteous amen he never done wrong Uh, amen he never committed a sin that flesh that was nailed to the cross uh, at Calvary that human being uh, amen that one that was fully God uh, and fully man that man uh, was without sin Uh, he was without spot Uh, he was without blemish uh, and he died uh, for my sin and now I become the heir uh, of his righteousness and I'm not without spot I'm not without blemish I've got my flaws and my faults uh, but when I stand before God uh, amen I stand uh, as a joint heir with Jesus Christ uh, he sees me uh, as righteous uh, he sees me uh, as holy uh, he sees me as godly because I share the privileges that Jesus Christ achieved. So we've received the present tense inheritance of Jesus Christ. in the indwelling of the Spirit of God. That same Spirit which dwelt in the man Christ Jesus dwells in us. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I Will come unto you. That same Spirit, that same abiding presence of God, it lives inside of me. He is my ever present help in times of trouble. He is the assurance of my salvation. He is the Spirit by which I cry, Abba, Father. However, we've also received a future tense inheritance. Of all of the treasures of heaven. We received the down payment of our inheritance, but we haven't received the full package yet. We've not yet received the full inheritance. We just got a piece. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that we received the earnest of our inheritance. Anybody ever bought property, house, or land where you had to pay an earnest payment? An earnest payment's a good faith payment that says, "This is this. This shows I've got some money. I've got I've got the down payment. I've got the earnest." You go into the car lot and tell Brother Andrew, "I really want that ride, but I've got to have got to get to the bank and try to find some financing for it. If you'll hold it for me, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Just hold that's that's the earnest. It's a down payment saying I, I, I'm coming back. If I don't come back, I forfeit the down payment, whatever it was. A hundred dollars may not be enough anymore, but." You know, you, you say, here it is, it's a down payment. It's the earnest. You pay earnest money on land and you back out of the deal, you lose the earnest money. Hey, Amen. That's that's what it is. It's it's the it's the it's just a piece. It's just the the, 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 the insurance that there's something better coming. There's more down the road. It's just, it's just a fraction of the whole. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14 calls the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, the, the Holy Spirit of promise is what Paul calls it there. That is the earnest of our inheritance. The Holy Ghost, that Spirit of God that lives inside of me is the down payment on heaven. It's the down payment on my inheritance. It's just a foretaste of better things that are yet to come. The latter half of this verse then focuses on the fact that we've not yet received that full inheritance. We still have to live in this present world. We still have to endure the trouble and trial of this life. We, we've still got to go through the things uh, that are in this world, just like Jesus Christ did. We are joint heirs with him, and, and we have to, as joint heirs with him, we're going to share in his suffering as well as his glory. Amen. Many people want to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. Everybody wants the glory. But few are willing to know him, as the scripture said in Philippians 3 and 10, in the fellowship of his suffering. Amen. The truth is, the latter must precede the former. You can't know him in his glory until you first know him in his suffering. You have to endure this present world before you can find your way to the next world. Amen. You have to endure this present life before you're ever going to walk on streets of gold. Amen. You've got to hold on to this faith. You've got to hold on to this promise. You've got to hold on to this inheritance that you have received down here before you're ever going to reap the benefits of what's coming over there. Before we can get the riches of heaven, we first have to, we have to let the resurrection become real in our life. We have to let the Holy Ghost lead us. Amen. Christ's suffering came before his glory. His death came before his resurrection. There was a cross before there was an upper room. We have been filled with the Holy Ghost in this present life, and it is the down payment on the future glory of heaven. But until that day comes, uh, until he catches his church away, we must endure this present world. We're going to suffer with him. we gotta, We got to live holy here in an unholy place before we can live holy there in a holy city. I mean we got to live righteous here in the midst of unrighteousness before we can live righteous there where it is all righteous and godly and holy. The main point of that latter half of this verse Is not the suffering. We get hung up right there because none of us wants to suffer and we're gonna have to suffer. You gotta go through some trials, you're gonna go through some trouble. Your flesh is gonna battle you. This world is gonna try to rob you. There are thieves, they're gonna try to take away your inheritance. Uh, You've got to make up your mind to fight. Uh, You gotta make up your mind to stand. Uh, You gotta make up your mind to live for God. Uh, You've got to have some willpower, you gotta have some skin invested in this game. It's gonna take something from you you to get to heaven. Uh, You're going to suffer with him. But the point here is not just the suffering of this world. The point here is that there's inheritance that is coming. There's There's a prize to be gained. There's a heaven to reach for. Just as much as there's a hell to shun, there's a heaven to gain. Amen. There is a reward waiting for us. And if we suffer with Christ now, here in this world, We'll share in his glory there on the other side. Amen. The old song says it. Sister Renee sings it. says it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful happy day. It's going to be worth every long mile. It's going to be worth every heartache and every trial. It's going to be worth at all. I want to tell you in this house on Sunday morning as Brother Ryan comes to the music and as you stand with me amen that whatever you're going through down here whatever it is that you're enduring uh, in this life uh, I come to this pulpit to tell somebody in this place you can make it. uh, Amen. You can live holy. You can live righteously. You can make it through the present troubles of this life. Uh, I want to remind you uh, that one of these days uh, amen. When you step on the other side. Uh, when you get on the other side of the river. Uh, when you get on the other side of glory. Uh, when you get past uh, all of this. Uh, and you get over there. Uh, it's going to be worth it all. Uh, it's going to be worth the struggle. Uh, it's going to be worth the trouble. Uh, it's going to be worth the trial. Uh, when you get on the other side. Uh, amen. Everything down here. The suffering that we suffer in this present moment. Uh, the troubles and trials that we go through in this present life uh, it's all going to pale in comparison uh, to the riches uh, of the glory uh, of God uh, in heaven I want somebody in this place to know you can make it how do I know you can make it because you've got the Holy Ghost as many as are led by the Spirit of God They are the sons of God. And sons of God inherit the kingdom of God. They inherit the promises of God. They inherit the richest blessings of heaven. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house as I have. From the very first note that was played on the keyboard this morning. There's such a rich anointing of the Spirit of God flowing through this place. I know that there's struggles. I know that there are troubles. I know that you you encounter heartache and suffering along the way. I know that sometimes the road is difficult. I know that sometimes the way is hard. I know that sometimes uh, you throw up your hands in frustration and you wonder, amen, why, why am I doing all this? Why am I fighting so hard? Why? I want you to know why, amen. I want you to understand uh, there is an inheritance uh, on the other side of glory, amen. There is a heaven worth gaining. It's going to be worth it all one of these days. Would you come to this altar for just a few moments this morning? Would you lift up your hands to heaven and would you reaffirm the fact, Lord, I want to make heaven my home? Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, whatever I've got to go through, whatever I've got to endure, whatever has to happen in this life, uh, it's going to be worth it. uh, It's going to be worth it. uh, It's going to be worth it. uh, it,